Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 370 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. So excited to have Brad Lominick back on the podcast today. We're going to talk about curation, content, so much more. And this episode is brought to you by ServeHQ. You can check out ServeHQ's online software subscription tools for churches at servehq.church and get a free, no-obligation, 14-day trial account. And by Live Control, a brand new partner, you can go to livecontrol.io forward slash carry, C-A-R-E-Y. That's livecontrol.io forward slash carry. Sign up for a free demo today for remote video services for your church. If you don't have the technology solution, they do, and they can run it remotely. Um, anyway, hey, I am so glad uh, to welcome so many of you to the podcast. Just thrilled to have you, and uh, we're growing and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling your friends about it. I was looking at some of the ratings and reviews. One of them on iTunes that came in uh, recently said, I've only listened to about six interviews, but every time I'm left saying, wow, followed by an almost immediate forward to friends and family. I love this podcast. And as someone who's intentional about growth in every area, I find these interviews and conversations fascinating. That is from someone who calls himself household manager, Adam Weber, who's been a guest on this podcast, which is so cool. Thank you for your five-star review. A few people I consistently look to for leadership, one of the best resources out there. Uh, Robbie1665 says, a must-have podcast. If you're a leader in the church or business world, this is a must-have. N2D2, I guess that's R2D2's cousin, says, uh, I can't put this down. This is the podcast I always go back to. Just want to say thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. We read them all. And... Um, I'm just so grateful for you. It's a partnership and we get to do this together and it is a real joy to do it with you. So uh, today on the podcast, I've got Brad Lominick. Brad is probably best known for being the former director of Catalyst, a movement for leaders who love the church. But since he left in 2014, he has done a number of things, working as an advisor and consultant to many businesses, not-for-profits and churches. Uh, he has two books, The Catalyst Leader, and his second, H3 Leadership, which is a perpetual bestseller, is something that he is now morphing into a podcast. So yeah, he is a podcaster. And we're going to talk all about the launch of his new podcast called H3 Leadership. And it's part of something new that I'm starting called the Thrivicity Network. So it's a podcast network. Uh, this podcast is part of the Thrivicity Network. What is Thrivicity? It's the combination of thriving and electricity. We want to spark growth. And so Brad's going to be the first podcast that we're sharing on that network. And we're going to talk all about that. But I'll tell you, if you've ever struggled with coming up with content, you want to listen to today's episode. Brad has some fascinating ideas and uh, talks a lot about influence as well. So our partner at ServeHQ offers two online subscription software tools for churches, Trained Up and Huddle Up. And these are tools that are used to equip and engage your church no matter where they are. With the ability to send highly engaging mass video text messages and video emails, your church will always be in the loop and can figure out what's going on. They've got safe chat embedded in that as well. And they've launched a brand new feature called follow-ups that's included with all the accounts, both in Trained Up and Huddle Up. The feature can automate messages, training, and follow-up task assignment for every follow-up workflow in your church. So it's super simple. 
And you can send drip emails or text messages. It's kind of an all-in-one solution. And if you want to learn more, check out ServeHQ at ServeHQ.Church. You will get a free, no-obligation 14-day trial account. Now, I talk to a lot of church leaders, and I, I hear this like every single week. It's like, hey, we are a small church. We do not have a tech department. We know that online is the future, which, by the way, I'm going to be talking about in the What I'm Thinking About segment, some of the elements of that. But how do you do it? Uh, it's hard on your volunteer team. It's hard on your staff team. Well, introducing Live Control. Live Control built a really great service where they can control the cameras inside your church all remotely from their office. Yeah, you don't have to build a tech team. They've got it. They're the only company that offers this. And it's not just for small churches. Bayside Church in Sacramento, which has seven locations and thousands of people uses it to stream their services. So Live Control sends you, you're like, well, I don't have the cameras. Uh, they actually send you top of the line 4K cameras. You simply click a button to schedule a service. And whenever you choose, let's say 10 a.m. on Sunday, the live control videographers who are real people remotely take control of your cameras, moving, panning, zooming in, yep, all remotely. Live control works with any streaming platform or software like ProPresenter, BoxCast, or Zoom. So churches that use live control substantially increase their viewership by up to 10x, and their giving goes along with that. It's like having an entire production crew backstage at your church, except you don't have to hire them. So, curious? Yeah, this one's really got me intrigued. Go to livecontrol.io forward slash carry and you can get a free demo today. They're offering a buy one, get one free camera through to the end of October. So just go to livecontrol.io forward slash carry, C-A-R-E-Y, for a free demo today. I love future stuff like this. So, hey, I'm going to be at the end with a uh, end of this podcast. I'll do a little segment called What I'm Thinking About. I'm thinking about the future of online church attendance. So with all that said, hey, why don't we jump into my conversation with Brad Lominick? Well, Brad Lominick, welcome, my friend. Good to have you back. Carrie Newhoff, always fun to be on your show, on the podcast. I mean, this, this, feels, like, this feels like old hat. It feels like uh, we're just, you know, we're, we're, just, we're just getting together for lunch. I know. Well, you and I, I mean, you, you help out our team with little projects and uh, usually end up on a round table, right? We do something for Rethink Leadership or whatever, but we just, got, we just got Brad locked in and loaded on this podcast live from Oklahoma. Is that right? I am in Oklahoma, yes, today. So the international never, man of mystery. Sometimes you move. Well, the, there, there is, uh, you know, what you know this, my, my, my reality the last several years was spending a lot of time on planes and you and me both. obviously that changed, but, uh, there, there is a, uh, there's, a, there's almost a, it's starting to creep back in Carrie. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sort of itching to get back out on the road. Are you, are you, you know, are you I, sort of like, I'm I would have said, if you asked me, so we're recording this in September, a few weeks before air, it was just at the end of August where I thought, you know, I really need to see my friends face to face. Like we need to go and have a meal together, but like airports and time zones. And the, the crazy thing is I was good at it. Like I had a system. And if you asked me in February, are you living the dream? I would have been like, I, I just don't know whether it gets any better. And then of course the world shuts down and all the tragedy around us and everything. But from a personal perspective, being home for the last six months has been very life-giving uh, to the point where I think my travel will be greatly reduced in the future. So. You found a new rhythm with with biking and hanging out outside and 
cooking on your big green egg. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you found a new, a new part of life that you knew was there, but now you're like leaning into it. Well, my team are telling me they really think I'm a better boss. And they said, just not taking calls, you know, while you're trying to board a flight or, uh, oh, you know, here's the time zone I'm in. Can you meet me at 7 p.m.? They're like, if, if you're just available. And I said, so is it, is it like a different, like, am I, am I better? And they're like, no, you're just around. And that is a lot of leadership, isn't it? You need to be around. It's a lot of parenting. You need to be around. It's, it's a lot of marriage. You need to be around. And now I'm just around. So kind of like being around. I think the thing too, that I've learned, you know, the last four or five months is, is obviously we're all trying to pivot and figure out things and shift and Mm -hmm. redo, redo our structures and the way we get work done. But trying to find a sense of joy mm. and and contentment in the new reality cuz re- reality is like we we have to do that i mean in order to sort of embrace a hopeful expectation of today and tomorrow we we got, we've got to look at it and go well how do I, how do i find some sense of just peace and contentment in this in this new season and where is that coming from for you well, a lot of it is 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 almost fighting back the fear. It, it's almost that sense of how do you how do you take away the you know the the negative vibes and the the sense of the sky's falling, like you know my world is collapsing. What do I do? I'm just going to go stick my head in the sand. Compared to again, like new reality, which was I'm not I'm I'm stuck. So what is that? what does that create from an opportunity perspective for me to get better? And mm. it, it is getting better as a leader, like coming out on the other side of this, you know, Levi said that on church pulse weekly, the, the idea of, are we going to be better on the other side, but also can I enjoy the process to get there? And it's taking more time to just one example for me is like, I'm in a place where I have access to, to the outdoors and, you know, even the few, the few pictures I put on Instagram the last several months were primarily hunting and fishing. Yeah. And I'm finding joy and contentment in some of those pieces where, again, before I would have, that would have felt like a distraction or it would have felt like sideways energy. We well, should have been it somewhere cool. else. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Gosh, so I should have been working on this people, project. Yeah. That's true for people with, you know, with obviously people homeschooling or, you know, their kids are at home, they're, they're yeah. virtual learning. Like, how do we lean into that compared to seeing it as this, you know, this, if we're honest, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of stress. And so I'm just trying to take that perspective. That's good. You know, I, I kind of had, it's not really a hobby. That's an exaggeration because there are actual birders listening to this podcast, but put a bird feeder up in the backyard this summer. And I've been trying to identify bird calls and, uh, I like it. Yeah, it was really cool. And it was funny. We were out camping with my family um, recently and we're paddling back to shore, which is a three and a half hour paddle with portages and the whole deal. And I see this giant bird sitting in a tree. It's a hawk. Like how often do you see a hawk sitting in a tree? And we just kind of slowed down, watched the hawk for a little while. Those are massive birds. And then I heard the call and I'm like, I know that call. They're in my neighborhood. I live near Hawkstone, Ontario. Okay. So like there are hawks everywhere, but I'd never connected the call with the bird. I think that is, and, and I don't know why, but that is like stupidly pleasure giving to me 
to be able to, I'll just be walking, you know, in the woods and I'll go, oh, that's a cardinal. Oh, that's a chickadee. Oh, that now I know that's a hawk. And so I didn't know that prior to March. Yeah, you, you and Carlos Whitaker uh, are, are now. Is he a birder? Oh, gosh. Look at his Instagram feed. Well, he's got that he, whole Robin thing going and all that stuff, yes, right? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He and Heather, he and Heather both are, are they're, they're deep into the, uh, into the vortex of bird, not just bird watching, but like bird, uh, I guess you could say like bird parenting. Yeah, bird. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Clay hey. Scroggins, you know, our buddy Clay, like he's talking about reduce the noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In his book, you know, like, how, so if we reduce the noise, we can hear more of God. And I think that's what's happening for all of us. No, that's good. Well, we're, we're going to get into that, but I, I don't want to go too much further into the interview without saying congrats. You got a brand new podcast, which is awesome. Yes. Brad, so H3 Leadership came out when? 2015? Uh, yes. It, it, for, to a lot of people, they go, what? I thought it just came out like last month. I but know. Yes, it's. It's now but you and I five. released a book around the same time, I think, in yes. 2015, fall of 2015. And now five years later, the H3 Leadership Podcast debuts all of, wherever time. you can find podcasts on the Thrivicity Network, which is... Uh, well, first of all, the, the network is also really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're, the, uh, you're the lead dog or the lead horse in our stable. Um, well, but we've got a new network that's going to have... Not just mine, but now others that will be mm-hmm. joining. So that's very Yeah, exciting. yeah. That's something we have been talking about in my little company for a while, starting a podcast network. So uh, yeah, you are our first show other than my leadership podcast, this show in the Thrivicity Network, Spark Growth, right? That's what we want to do. We want to spark growth. And so, uh, but tell us about your podcast. Because when you were pitching the idea, I thought, oh, like, I don't know of another podcast like this. Because I don't know of anybody else quite like Brad Lominick, so that's fun. And um, but it's it's so quintessentially you. And I want you to sort of vision cast for leaders what they can expect when they subscribe to H three Leadership. Well, a lot of people have read the book, so you know it's the book is is not necessarily the the lead story of the podcast. Um, it's more of my brand. Right. It's not you reading your book. It's not the audio book. Right. right? Exactly. But what here's what it is. It's it's curated. So the power of curation, which is me helping leaders know about the things they need to know about. Uh, so if you think about, you know, me curating the best books you need to read, the, the, the links you need to know about with great articles, the, the videos you should watch, the podcasts you should listen to, the events you need to attend, the organizations that should be on your radar, the young influencers that you are not aware of but should be. It's all of that. And, you know, it's going to be weekly. And it's going to be practical. It's going to be shorter than this interview. Than this you interview, know, you're not doing two and a half an hour hour marathons that I'm other people you know do. Gordon McDonald, yeah. No, 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 Gordon McDonald. <laughs> that's right. But I, what I'm going to try that's to awesome. do is just, yeah. just every week bring something that's helpful that you can you can go find or listen to or watch or review, um, you know, that day and. The, the idea of having a curated podcast, like you said, I'm a podcast junkie. I don't mm-hmm. know of anybody else doing that. And I think it's going to be helpful because that's what I need. Yeah. I actually need somebody to curate. For well, me. for the, the several hundred of all the leaders listening, there's, let's just assume there's several hundred who know you well enough to be on your personal email list. So I would be one of those people. And every once in a while, 
Brad just shoots out to his friends this like long, not particularly well formatted email with all these links of the most interesting, like I keep them in Evernote. They're so good. But these really great articles that nobody would find on their social feed. You're just um, endlessly curious about that stuff. And you'll put me on, like, I mean, I I remember you and I did a trip and uh, we were there with Chris Durso, Robert Madu, and Rich Wilkerson long before anyone knew who those three were, right? You just... You have an eye for for spotting talent and leadership as it develops, finding you're, you're what I would call a cross-disciplinary learner in the sense that you're very interested, whether it's neuroscience or business or uh, arts or something, you'll, you'll just pull from a very eclectic range of things and say, here's some stuff you can learn. So if you're really interested in diversifying your sources, finding up-and-coming leaders, uh, I don't know anyone who's quite got that. Rich Birch does that sometimes too, but mm-hmm. um, my goodness, the way you do it, and I'm just excited that you're bringing that to the world. So uh, are you going to vary the format then week to week? Like what? what is your, because we hear from would-be podcasters all the time. So for all yeah. of you listening who are like, yeah, I want to do a podcast at some point, I want to hear your niche. Because we were talking before we started recording and you're like, well, the interview space is pretty full, right? Like yes. it is. Look at this show. Here we are doing yeah. another interview, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, the interview space is full. I'll, I'm going to try to have some guest host on that I can ask, hey, what, what are you reading or what's, what's interesting mm-hmm. to you right now? What are you diving into? Um, I might do a 10-minute you know, or 12-minute guest interview once a month. So if you think about four shows a month, probably one of those would be you know, the top recommendations you need to be aware of with books and podcasts and events. Another show would be, let's, let's unpack the young influencers list this month. The leaders you don't know about that you should. Uh, let's, you know, let's maybe dive deep for 10 or 15 minutes with a guest. And then the fourth one might be a roundup of, uh, here's some interesting articles that I came across and I'm going to, I'm going to share what I think. I'm also going to do the leadership nuggets segment, Carrie. And this is, this is, I'm pulling from Catalyst podcast. Yeah, many, yeah. many moons ago, right? When Ken Coleman and I were on and, and we would do this leadership nuggets segment and it became really popular. And it was just me saying, hey, here's, some, here's a thought that I have that I think will be helpful for you. But I'm going to base it off of, again, an article or a video or a book or something that I can say then, I'm stirring up the conversation, but here's where you need to go now and actually dive into it for yourself. So Similar to what you do with what you're thinking about mm-hmm. at the, at end, the of end of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's kind of the format at this point. You know, we, we've got room to in- innovate and, and, you know, differentiate because it's brand new. Um, right. We're starting from scratch, but that's, that's the thinking right now. So shorter, eclectic, curating content. And I think curation, everybody, and, and for those of us who are content creators, let's riff on that for a little bit yeah. because there's so much pressure on social media, in the church, in business, to produce content. But you have argued for years, and I agree with you, that curation is just as powerful as content production. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. In essence, what what a curator is, it's somebody who filters through all of the broad category and says, this is what I've done all the research, mm-hmm. and now this is what you need to be aware of. 
So think of the curator in a museum, you know, right. that they're, they're, they're bringing you the best art that they can. They're not doing by. all the painting. They're not there from 6 a.m. Exactly. till midnight painting going, come look at my paintings. They're like, well, here's a Picasso. Here's a um, Van Gogh. Here is, you know, whatever. That's the end of my yes. art knowledge, but. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's good. I mean, that's a great example. So uh, there's, there, and this is a shift that we've been seeing in leadership for the last several years, which it went from, are you the expert to, are you aware of the experts to now, like you're the expert because you're aware of the experts. Right. So that, that shift happened in it. And now I wouldn't argue that we don't need experts, but I would argue that we need experts who know the experts and there's equal amounts of power and credibility and um, influence in that. So you don't have to, to the pastors, you know, you and David Kinnaman, Kinnaman's been talking about this as well for a couple mm -hmm. of years. The pastor doesn't necessarily have to create all the content. They can, but equally as much, you should be curating content for the people that are, that you're trying to teach and youth pastors, especially, I mean, you, go, go help your students actually find the links, you know, the 10 things they need to be reading this week or that they're what they should be watching this week. They're already there. They're already on YouTube. They're already on Instagram. They're already on Snapchat. They're, they're already on all these outlets. So if you help them find the things there compared to you thinking that you have to force them to come and only listen to you. It's such a, it's such a simple concept, but it's so hard for people. I was saying to a mutual friend last week, we were chatting on the phone and I just said, it's rather ironic that one of the things I've become most known for is the forum in which I speak the least, which is this podcast. Yes. yes. Because you're right? curating, you're, you're curating. curating the podcast, the, the, the best of long form interviews with leaders that we want to hear from that we want to sit down and have lunch with. That's what you're doing. You're, you're curating, you know, Tim Ferriss, his five bullet Friday. Yep. That's a curation of the things that he wants people to be aware of. He's got you know, like Gary a, V a million. Been hey, doing Gary it forever. Seth Godin has been curating forever. You know, da uh, Daniel Pink, James Clear, his da James Clear. He has a, a newsletter that he calls three, two, one every Thursday. He it's, it's, it's three, two, one. It's, and I can't remember what those categories are, but he's curating quotes. He's curating links. He's curating, you know, things we need to read. And he obviously wrote atomic habits. Mm -hmm. Like he's an expert, but he's not just sending you a newsletter on Thursday saying, Hey, read my book, atomic habits. He's actually pulling things from his world and saying, this is what you need to be aware of. What are, so I'm really looking forward to, and, and obviously the podcast is brand new. So I'm going to be a subscriber. I'm going to be a listener. And, uh, but I'd love to know what are the disciplines, the habits and the rhythms that go into your curation? So how, how do you find these esoteric, uh, interesting, fascinating, like obviously you have to filter through a lot of stuff to yeah. get to the good stuff. So what does, what does, uh, the life of Brad look like to be able to be a curator? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I compare it, you know, I'm a sports nerd, so you, you may not get this reference because I know you don't I necessarily keep won't. up with all sports. 
there's a guy named Adam Schefter who works for ESPN and Shefty is what they call him. And he, he's, he's the go-to for ESPN when it comes to the NFL, any news in the NFL, we're, we're going to Shefty. He's got breaking news. And, and what, 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 why he's such a powerful curator or analyst or reporter is he has sources. He has sources all over the NFL. He has general managers. He has head coaches. So his phone's buzzing all the time going, hey, by the way, we're going to make a trade, right? Exactly. And they now see him as their outlet for if they want to get you know, news out, they'll, they'll send it to him. So, and this has been true in journalism forever, right? I mean, if you're a journalist, you understand this. But got a tip. They, they, they built sources and they've got all these incoming um, mediums or feeds by which then they're able to take a lot of stuff and, and pare it down you know, to what needs to be sent out then. So that's for me, probably one of the things that I've built a system for is I get tons of newsletters by email. Um, I, I, I check tons of lists on a constant basis and I've got sources all over the internet. I've got, I've got people I text. I've got people I call every conversation I have. I usually will ask somebody, Hey, who's a young leader that you you're really excited about in your world? So for me, it's intentionality at, at the end of the day, and it's it's now a system that feeds me lots of information. Um, and a lot of those newsletters, you know, I don't I don't read all of them, but I just skim. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to tons of podcasts. I'm a podcast junkie, so I'm 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 finding stuff all the time. And every time I find something, I write it down. That's the other key. Yes. Is if I don't capture it, it's then gone. I won't remember it. Yeah. You got it. So I think that's the biggest reason, for, again, and I'm a curious person in general, but the reason I can actually show up and have credibility is because I'm doing, I'm doing the work, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not spending hours and hours and hours um, endlessly just looking at stuff because that would be a waste of time. Um, but I am intentional about about certain areas of my life and, and being really clear on I'm going to create as much in, input as possible that then I can pull from. Well, and I would say, you know, knowing you as I have for a number of years now, Brad, uh, everybody has just a couple of superpowers. We're not great at everything. But what I see is a couple of your, your superpowers would be you're a connector. You just seem to know just about everybody and you do a really good job handling those relationships. So if I need an introduction somewhere, I'll often text you. It's like, hey, do you know? And the answer is 99% of the time it's yes. And, you know, you'll use that to help other people. Uh, you're also very, very curious. You're a magnificent question asker. I just, I see that in you wherever we go. You're one of those guys, it's hard to get a, a word in edgewise, you know, or ask you a question because you're always asking me or the other people in the room questions. Uh, I see that as a superpower. And you're a great note taker. Uh, like when those emails come out or when we need sources, like you're like, oh, well, you should check this out. So if people are wondering, those are the things I see in you. Would you say you see yourself in that list or are there other things that you do that you would say, no, I think this is part of it too? No, that's a thank you, by the way, for saying that. Because uh, mm-hmm. that, that, um, that is what I'm, what I'm trying to honor people with. And, you know, I heard Jim Collins say somebody was interviewing him. And they said, okay, what, what is the, what's the thing that if you pare it all down, 
that drives your engine, uh, that drives your flywheel. Uh, that's Jim Collins. Speak, yeah, yeah. Right. What is it? And he said, it's curiosity. He said, everything that everything flows, my fly engine, my flywheel in my engine flows out of curiosity. I would say for me, it flows out of connection mm. and, and being a connector. So the, the, all the things I get to be involved with, all the things I get to participate in, the organizations I get to help, the projects I get to work on, the, the places I get to show up, those are built out of my connection flywheel. And I look at it as I want to bring people into my slipstream in order for me to build a tribe, as Seth Godin called it 12 years ago with his book. Um, but then I can add value to and figure out ways that we can work together and help each other. And I just think, and this is, this is true about whatever you're most gifted at, you see it so clearly that you think everybody else sees it the same way. Mm. And people say to me, I don't understand how you do it, Brad. And I look at it and go, well, it's pretty, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple because it's natural. It's the way I'm gifted. It's, you know, it's part of who I am. It, um, so I don't, uh, I want to keep getting better at that, I guess is, is my point too. I don't want to just rest on, well, I'm a connector. Um, I, I want to keep connecting. And at some point that, you know, does that run out? Probably not because there's lots of people to continue to be connected to. So most of the people listening to this podcast are younger than me and uh, many are younger than you are, even though you're probably a decade or so younger than I am. But you've been in a ton of green rooms and there you've hosted those green rooms often for conferences you've led with 10, 20,000 people uh, you know, in attendance, some of the biggest speakers in the leadership world, Christian and marketplace speakers. And I've watched you work those green rooms and you're really interesting to watch because, uh, you know, we've all been in the place where you meet, you know, a keynote speaker or you meet one of your idols or whatever. And it's hard not to get tongue tied. It's hard not to be intimidated. It's hard not to just gush or just say predictable things. I mean, hey, you and I, a few years ago, we were in Washington, D.C. Remember meeting Morgan Freeman? Oh, um, yes. That was a great evening, by the that way. That was a great evening. But what do you say when you run, when you know we're standing there in a reception room with fifty people and Morgan Freeman walks in and you're like, oh my goodness, that's actually Morgan Freeman. And I remember being like totally, I don't know why that just popped in my head, but like I was totally like tongue tied. And you've been in that situation a, a billion times. It's like, Mr. Freeman, you make great movies. Like, what do you say to Morgan Freeman? It's like you're the voice of God. My friend said, you should have pulled out your phone and had him do your voicemail. I'm like, yes. But yeah, that's been done a thousand times. But anyway, uh, that was a great night. But, um, you know, it's hard not to get tongue-tied. It's hard not to be a climber rather than a connector. Do you want to speak to young leaders about how you become a connector, not a climber, how you, how you handle yourself in a situation like that? Because you've probably seen it go well. You've seen it go poorly. Yeah, again, this is such, this is, this is such an important conversation. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell, I mean, I, I learned that from John Maxwell working for John for a few years because he called it climbers. He, he, the difference between a climber and I don't know if he used connector, but let's just mm. use that example. Um, it's the same between a connector and a networker. Um, you know, a networker is that person that you, you run from when you mm. see them because you know that they, they're just out for themselves and they, they, they want something from you. They're, 
they are um, they're 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 motivated by what they're going to get. They're transactional. They they'll they'll mask it with a connection or hey, I want to add value, but at the end of the day, you just know. And we can think of people in our mind right now, oh, yeah. probably as you're listening, you're like, oh yeah, that person is a they're a networker, and I I don't mind them being in my world but I don't necessarily want to hang out with them and invite them. You're not the first, you're not calling them first for dinner when you're free, right? You got it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. The connector though, Uh man, I, I am, I I think of them and I think, gosh, every time I'm around them, they make me better. Every time I, I call, I call them or talk to them, they're giving more to me than I'm giving to them. There's a generosity there. There's not a scarcity with a connector. There's a spirit of, I will succeed because you're actually succeeding. If I put these people, these two people together, the power of that, of that connection is going to be greater than the current connection. And I get to get out of the way. And when I, when I smile, Carrie, when it feel, you know, when you feel like you're winning or you're successful at who being who you are is when people say, gosh, Brad, you connected us 12 years ago. And now we're like working on this project together and, mm. you know, we've become great friends and I, I don't need, I don't need them to tell me that, or I don't need to be part of that. Right. Um, that, that's the difference is it's, it's so much more about the other person than it is about you. So no. I'll stop there. No, that's a really good distinction. And uh, you said something earlier I want to come back to, and, and you just slipped it in, so it might have gotten lost for a lot of listeners, but I picked it up, and you said, I want to add value. And I think back to some of the first times we met. I can't, I can't say exactly when it was. It might have been at a Catalyst uh, when you were still running it. And I think I had just started blogging or something, and you were like so kind to me. And I left feeling like you were actually interested in me which was a really, really interesting thing because sometimes people, people don't always feel that way. Can you talk about how to add value to the relationships that um, leaders are making? Yeah, well, I do remember the first time we met. I think it was at a Catalyst event. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was side stage. Yeah. I, I knew who you were before you knew, you knew that I knew you. Yeah. Again, that's me I would say doing my job well, which is if I'm leading Catalyst, I better, I better be aware of the up and comers. And, and also I better, I better be very clear that there is no distinction or no hierarchy between Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle and the leader who nobody knows that showed up and they, they're a, you know, they're in, they're in a small community in Ohio and they they're they're a catalyst, and they want to get better, but nobody knows who they are. I've got to see those two people, those two leaders, the same way. Because if I don't, then I can't expect our community to. And if I'm leading the community, then I've got to be the one who sets that example. See, that's interesting. You're right. I, I hadn't thought about that until you said that. But I would say your world, and again, we've had years together now, is very flat. It's not that you dishonor the Andy Stanleys, the Craig Rochelles, the Seth Godins, the Daniel Pinks. You're, you're very honoring to people, but you're just as honoring to the guy from Canada 
who can't even believe you know who he is, right? And that's yes. that's a very so it's flat in that sense. Not that you're trying to tear down the giants, but you're trying to give the same dignity that you would give a giant or a main stage speaker that you would to the guy who barely made the breakout, <laughs> you know, you as a it. participant. And I think I think the expectation, unfortunately, that we have with leaders, whatever whoever is in the power circle, yeah, right. If we're not in that circle, we expect, unfortunately, today that those people who are in the power circle, the only way I can get their attention is to be in the power circle. And man, Daniel Strickland and many others who we all are friends with and would know, you know, they just keep saying, and I just keep like raising the banner, like powerful people empower people. That the powerful people, mm-hmm. she said that on your interview with her. Yeah. You yeah. Know, which is so powerful. Daniel's like, so good said, at that. If you have power, your your job, the way you the way you use that power correctly is you in you you give it away. You empower other people who don't have it. So and hello, like this is the life of Jesus. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if if I'm trying to be a Jesus follower, um, this is to me one hundred and one. So the, unfortunately, though, so many times as leaders, we start to see through lenses. We have glasses on that are incorrect because somebody told us differently or we, mm-hmm. we watched somebody before us. Um, we think this is the right thing to do. We, we, get in, we get infatuated with, with a sizzle. And, you know, one of the things I always said at Catalyst, and I probably shared this before, but I always said, um, you know, if, 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 I can't, if, if I can't treat everybody the same and make them feel honored, then this community that this community we're trying to build is not authentic. Mm. And I think people saw that. Like we didn't, we didn't like put it on the screen and say, Hey, everybody here, you're valued. But there was a sense of all those barriers were removed because we just wanted it to feel like this was all a bunch of friends hanging out together. And, uh, you know, and that's again, because we wanted that, like we were the customers of our, of our community we were building. So, what, um, for the leaders listening who are like, Brad, okay, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I can almost visualize it. But that is, I, I think for you, it might be natural. For a lot of people, it's learned. What are some things that leaders who empower other leaders or honor other leaders, regardless of their status or position, what are some best practices that the leaders who do that well do? Yeah, well, well, you see people. I mean, practically, you 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 see them and you acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. So this is part of having empathy. Is that if if I'm standing in a circle, at a you know at at, at some event, and somebody is standing outside the circle, and all of us are having a conversation, I see this person and I say, "Hey, Joe, man, let me introduce you to to all these folks here." Do you? I don't know if you know them. That that's that's practical. Like yeah. you have to be an includer. Yeah. And you have to make people feel comfortable because I know when I'm not that way and I feel weird and it's, it's awkward. We've all so stood I outside wanna, that circle. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think encouraging people and actually like speaking well of people. So I do this with emails, you know, and, and again, this is just a, it's a habit for me that I like to do is when I'm connecting people in email, I want them to get that email and like want to save it. Hmm. Because I said things in that email that they're like, gosh, Brad, first, I didn't know you knew me that well. And second, 
thank you. That's really encouraging. And, and I'm actually like bragging about them to this other person. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with if I just say, Hey, Joe, meet Jim, you guys should work together. Thanks. See ya. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm going to take the time to try to like, let me tell you about Joe. Joe is, man, he's, 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 he's such a great leader. Like his team loves him. Um, he's, you know, he's got, he's, he's got a real sense on him of being a, a, a visionary, like a futurist, wh- whatever it is. So I want to honor people by being able to say things about them and to them that will, that will make them, make them smile, but also the person who gets, who I'm connecting them to actually, they go, Oh, wow, that's powerful. Writing notes of encouragement or, or whatever that is, a text, a note, uh, and you know, an email. So I love angling that from, you know, the young leader, the up and comer perspective, but how do you find seasoned leaders, the, the keynote speakers, the, you know, the guys who are, are women who are on the main stage headlining things, how do they respond when you include someone new in the circle or introduce them to, you know, someone who's not at that level? What, what, are, what are some of the, the, the best and perhaps the worst practices you've seen in that field? No naming names. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting question. So un- unpack that a little bit more. Well, it's just, you know, you, you have, in my experience, one of the questions is that I'll get doing this show because we've had, you know, 350 guests or whatever. It's like, hey, what is so-and-so really like? And gotcha. nine times out of 10, I'm able, 99 times out of 100, I'm able to say, actually, they're really great people. Like it's kind of... And, and listen, I select for my guests. So if the guy really is a knob, I'm probably not going to have him on my show, right? Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm self-selecting. But my experience of most leaders has been surprisingly gracious and humble. But I, I just want to talk to people who maybe have influence, you know, who retreat to the green room. They've got, you know, not they're not main staging it, but they're, you know, they're a big deal, big fish in a small pond or whatever. That can easily go to your head. And that's something I've had to guard against it. So when you're with the best of the best, how have you seen them respond when you kind of widen that circle and include somebody they don't know or an attender or, you know, a guy from Canada? How do the best handle it? And what do you see? Well, I think they handle it with, yeah, what you just said, which is humility and a posture of, of uh, man, if I trust, I trust the person connecting me. So in this mm. case, I trust Brad. And if he thinks I should connect with this person that I don't know, then I, I, I trust him. I trust his wisdom on that. And, um, and again, for me, that's equity that I have to trade appropriately. Yes. You can't so, introduce everybody. You got it. I don't introduce everybody. And I know certain people, and I won't name names, but I, I know that there are certain people who have a lot of influence who are really, really well known. They don't want me to connect them to a lot of people, not because they're not interested, but I'm not adding value then. Yeah. yeah. If I'm if I'm creating distraction or I'm I'm like adding more to their world that that doesn't allow them to do what they do really well. So that that's back on me, Carrie. Like that's my responsibility to know what's appropriate. What what actually works, you know? How do, how do I best honor both of these people in the best way possible? So sometimes it's hey, listen. Um I'd love to connect you guys at some point. So really what works best is probably the next time we're at an event together 
why don't we just find a time that we, you know, I can introduce you then, but it's not, I'm going to email you or I'm going to text you both or so it's, I I have to be the, I have to be the, um, again, the curator of my tribe and my Mm -hmm. community. And my yeah, because if you because abuse that trust one too many times, it's going to be like, done. oh gosh, Brad is asking me to meet somebody I don't want to meet, and yeah, you're done. You know, it's stewardship. Like this is this is equally as important, I think. But I'm biased. But it's equally as important as the way you steward your finances, or the way you steward your influence, the the way you steward, you know, your the the things you own, your home, you know, your cars, like. It, the relational equity you have with people is is valuable, and if you don't steward that well, then you will find out pretty quick that it's not something that is going up in value. And right, right. Again, you can't use the you can't use the excuse. Well, I'm I'm an introvert. I'm I'm not people oriented. I, I don't really like have an interest in uh you know in connecting people that's just not me well no it is because if you're a leader which everybody listening to this is then part of your responsibility is is to figure out it, who who the people are in your community your congregation your tribe your circle and then add value to them so i want to find pastors and I, you know you we we always are kind of looking for the i, I would say like the trends in, in how we're seeing the world differently. But I want to find those leaders and pastors who are equally as much connectors within their congregation as they are communicators. Because I, I, I would argue that that's, that's equally as important, you know, given the circumstances you're in, given the, the environment you're in, are, are you, are you actually like stewarding your, your people and connecting them and introducing them and, actually know their names and you're interacting with them and you're getting to know them. And that, that, you know, we, we can't just sit back and say, well, that's not my responsibility. Hmm. But I think it is. We've touched on live events and uh, meeting at a live event catalyst conference would be a good example. Um, but obviously, you know, the disruption we're in the middle of right now with a pandemic has really changed the complexion of live events, everything from sports to, you know, school to um, concerts to obviously church services and and gatherings of any kind. And already, I think, pre-COVID, Brad, the model of live events was changing. You and I would often meet at live events, right? I, I'd like to to pick your brain on where you think live events are going. And as much as we don't really know where all this is going to land, what are your thoughts about what the future of live events might hold? Well, small, you know, curated, smaller, invite-only. I would say not smaller because there's not as many people necessarily, but smaller because you're you're pulling together um, a, a circle that wants to be in the same room. And room is in quotes mm. because room doesn't necessarily mean a room, but uh, the difference of there's 10,000 people, you know, at a, at a, at an event, at a leadership conference compared to there's a thousand who have been selected based on connections or, you know, the right. level of level of influence They're they're, you know, they're, they're, they all are, you know, thinking about the same things or, or interested in the same category. So, that's that's where a lot of stuff was already going before COVID. 
is that it was going to be curated, uh, smaller, influencer-driven based on, you know, seasons of life or whatever. Now with the disruption, a lot of that is still true. But what you're seeing now is that um, I think the I think that we're we're having to flip the model where I'm starting with a few connections that perhaps will turn into some kind of community and then might express at some point a conference outlet. Ah, so don't try to build a big, start small and see if it grows organically. Got so it. when when was Catalyst at its peak? Like how many people would you pack out an arena with? Like you would get what, 12,000? Yeah, I mean, 12 or 13,000 in Atlanta, uh, three or 4,000, you know, in other venues across the country, the one day events were, you know, two or 3000. So that was, that was, you know, 2011, 12, I don't know, somewhere in the, you know, 10 years ago, eight to 10 years ago range. Which is really fascinating because that I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot pre COVID and I haven't thought a lot about it in COVID because everybody's just kind of bouncing off the walls, trying to figure out what day it is. Um, but you can make the argument that that was really before content became free and ubiquitous and easily accessed. In other words, yes. you know, smartphones changed all that, right? You and I have had that conversation offline before. And so Catalyst was big in part because if you wanted to hear Seth Godin or see a human being shot out of a cannon... Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, which right. you did, or or you wanted to hear the top thought leaders, the top preachers, you kind of had to jump on a plane and go to Atlanta and getting the DVD six months later probably wasn't going to be the same as being in the room and connecting with people. Do you want to talk about the cultural evolution of content and live events as it sort of unfolded in your last years at Catalyst and then basically the last decade? Because I think there's huge learnings there for the future. Sure. Well, if you think of music, let's just think about the music example yeah. for a minute. Um, you know, forever there, there was these barriers to entry. You know, you had the, the, the industry. Um, you know, you, you had to have all these things in place to get a record deal. All that started to, to shift. We had Napster. We had you know, the, the invention of iTunes, um, all those barriers went away. The, the middleman was removed. Um, the powers in the consumer, I can now, um, curate or I can, um, create my own, you know, my own playlist. That that's a, that's a 40, I don't know. What do you, what would you say, Carrie? 40 year shift perhaps in the last 30 or 40 years, mm -hmm. that industry music as one example shifted from there was only places you could go to get that album to now it's, it's available anytime, anywhere. Um, you, you, the power is all in your hands as the, consumer. Oh, I mean, I, I think about that too, being the age I am. It's like, if you had showed 15 year old me who had to save up his allowance for a record, right. Or a tape or a CD that I would be able to get whatever song I want, whenever I want it. I mean, you saved up or otherwise you listened to that radio and hoped your favorite song would come on while you still had the radio on. And, you know, exactly. when I was in elementary school, we had those little tape recorders. I just put it right next to my radio and record a song bootleg. And that's how you made your mixtapes, right? Like, but it was yes. a model based on scarcity. And if you look yes. at it, live events were based on scarcity. It was like, if you want to hear Seth Godin, 
You better be at Catalyst. If you want to hear John Eldridge, you better be at Catalyst. You want to hear Andy Stanley give his annual leadership talk, you better be at Catalyst. And then around, you're right, 2011, it's like the iPhone was in its second or third iteration. Um, Wi-Fi became ubiquitous. Uh, LTE was introduced so that you could actually stream video for the first time. Instagram, Twitter started to take off. Facebook really started to gain mainstream except, um, you know, adoption. And then all of a sudden, content was everywhere and you, you didn't charge for it anymore, right? Right. Like it was free. Yes. So it's well, like, you, I'm going to give you money? You, cre- you, you created a revenue model that was different. I think uh, that's a distinction. Hmm. So it felt free to me, but yes. it wasn't free to the industry. Somebody <laughs> right. was making money or somebody was putting money in. There was an exchange happening. Um, and so the same with, same with events, you know, like you're right. All that was true. And here's what's not, here's what's not happening in terms of, do we want to gather anymore? The, the answer is yes. Like we still want to gather. Mm. We, we still want to be in person. We still want to be part of something. Um, the reason that, I, and I'm not, I'm not arguing that events are going away. I am arguing that it, it better be distinct. It better, um, it better have something on it. And I'm putting an asterisk as well, like a God breathed movement. Hmm. Many times is unexplainable that we can't like, we can't unpack and, and, you know, start to figure out, well, why did that happen? Because it's just God breathed. Hmm. Um, but there are certain things now that are true. You know, one of the things that was true in the last seven or eight years is so many churches started to do their own conferences yeah, or organizations that have expertise. They said, we used to go to Catalyst, we would take our whole team, or we used to go to the, you know, the Willow Creek or Global Leadership Summit, or we used to go to, you know, name the, name the conference. Now we are doing our own conference and we're going to share about our expertise and the way we do church here, or the way we do ministry. And a lot of leaders are going to come because they, they're interested in that. Um, that, that actually was a great disruption that made the, the world of live events better. Now, a lot of us who are in that space would like, we were going, man, this is going to cannibalize us. Yeah. But I think in general, the, the overall, like, did that raise the level? Yes. Um, so it just kept getting more crowded. And, and now, like, the, the conferences that you and I would probably say yes to, if, we're, if, if we just get invited, um, they're probably going to be, again, more invite only or curated. They're, they're going to be uh, probably, you know, here's the, one, here's the question I get every time I'm trying to do a small gathering. Um, what are we talking about? Who else is going to be there? Yep. Who, and really, who else is going to be there is the biggest question. Because now the, the power is in, well, I want to learn from each other. We don't need that person doing that talk. We need the conversation to be the thing that draws us in. I agree. Because if I'm dialed in, I probably already heard you on that subject. What I want to do is I want to ask you the question behind the talk, right? Yes. Which is, yes. you know, if you we're going to be in a room with Craig Rochelle, it's like, Craig, I've, I've listened to your public talks and they're great. What I want to know is boom, boom, boom. So that's that smaller curated room yes. that, that you and I have talked about this a lot, but access, I've, I've heard you say Bob Goff changed the rules when he put his phone number in his first <laughs> right. book, right? Yeah. And you and I have debated that. I still keep my phone number a little bit quiet just so that I can stay focused. But 
Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting where I think what people want these days is access as opposed to just content. What does that mean for leaders, Brad? Well, and by the way, it's what Kathy Heller said in your interview with her on a episode, several episodes ago, she was talking about, you know, the difference between the, the, me, me, me joining a gym and me having a coach. Mm-hmm. Like I can watch every YouTube 20 minute workout on my computer for free. You don't have to join a gym. Why, why am I going to, why am I going to join a gym? But the next level, why am I going to have a coach? Well, but because that, that's, that's where the connection part and the uniqueness and the distinctness and it's human, it's personal. Like you're, mm. you're actually like going on the journey with me. That, that's what we want. We don't, we don't want to go where, you know, cause again, all that used to not be available to us. Now I can, I, I need people in my life who will actually, who will actually help me get to the destination. So you were going to ask a question. Sorry. No, I no. I mean, this is, this is what we do when we get together. So it's just fun. <laughs> um, but you know, you're right because I look at my kids are in their twenties and uh, you know, you're programmed to your defaults and I might just as easily text you, Hey, how do you, whereas my kids are like, well, there's YouTube and there's Google, like, you know, and then you go a decade under them into the teen years or 20 years under them, you know, just starting kindergarten. And those are kids who are never going to ask their parents and grandparents questions or advice because you just Google it, which is, which is really interesting. And yet there is a level of, okay, well, I Googled it, but I still don't have meaning. I, I read the article, but I still want to know. I'm just thinking through the implications for businesses and churches as we go forward. What does that mean to our model? Mm. And I had mentioned Bob Goff's phone number. That kind of was probably where you're yeah. going back to. Well, that I think I think the thing that it does to the model is that it, it's going to force all of us to to think about engagement more, which you've you've been saying for many years. Mm. It, it's it's also going to it's also going to force us to think. How do we make it personal? Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the power of personal is such a part of the new expression of, of where we are in our culture. And, um, you know, if you think of Peloton mm-hmm. as an example, what, what, is, what is Peloton trading? Um, they're, well, they're, they're trading a couple of things. They're trading competition. Yep. The, the, the gaming idea, you know, like, I'm going to ride against that person from, you know, California who I don't know, but, you know, or we're going to ride against each other because in our company, you know, we've got yep. a company group on Peloton. Uh, they're trading community because they, they are building community Yep. And, and they're trading courses. Like the idea that I'm, I'm progressing those three C's community competition and course I think that's where a lot of the future is headed, both for the business world, the marketplace, and the church. I, I think we've got to think about the about the worlds we're building, not just with those filters, but I think that's a pretty good filter right now. Oh, that's really interesting. I've thought about that even for course development because that's one thing that I offer. We have a half dozen courses that are available, and and that is a, a purchase thing. But I've been thinking about walking people through a sequential journey. Um, not, you know, uh, UK Cho would say, uh, gamify it a little bit, right? Actionable gamification, which we'll link to his work on that, which is 
fascinating, the octalysis framework. But this yeah. idea that, oh, now you're at level one. Oh, now you're at level two. Now you're at level three. Now you're at level four, right? That Because in that sea of information, it's so easy to get lost. And another thought, what you were saying too, I, I really think taking people behind the scenes is a huge value. Sometimes I'll get a guest who doesn't know the podcast particularly well, and they'll say, well, I always tell guests, hey, if you say something you don't like, I'll edit it out, no problem. And But then I have some guests say, oh, well, you can edit out the parts you don't like. I'm like, no, I never edit this show. Like, I just yeah. don't. I, I, can't, I can't think of, yeah, we're 350 episodes in. I just don't edit the show because I think one of the things that has made it resonate with leaders is it is unscripted. It is real. It kind of meanders at times and then you snap back. But that's what life is like, you know? And yes. I, I think there is, sometimes we can be so glossy and so photoshopped and so polished and so filtered that people go, I don't even see myself in that. And I think if they they hear the little turns and twists and the stumbles in a normal interview, they're like, oh, well, that would be the conversation I would have with Brad if I got the opportunity to sit down and spend a couple hours with you. Yeah, I think I think it still goes back to that that question of do do we are we are we getting to the place where we trust? that brand or we trust that, that leader or we, or we, you know, do we trust that person? And what you're talking about, you know, access, um, behind the scenes, um, unedited, that, that's all, that's all, that's all signs and breadcrumbs of man, take us back to the trust factor. Yeah. Because we're, we're so enamored or just, you know, enveloped in a world where we don't trust anything anymore. I mean, we're, we're fighting against all the things that are moving away from trust, you know? And so that, I think that's a big part of it is once we find something that feels trustworthy, then we're going to lean in. Right. We, we, we will, we will like, we will follow that, that, um, you know, that movement or that, that organization or that church or that nonprofit because they're so, they're so distinct today, which is unfortunate, but it's true. Mm. Yeah, trust may be at at least in our lifetime an, an all time low. It's just so low right now, and transparency is your friend, right? Like the the unpolished version sometimes is an asset, and um, yeah, I I, I I I think that's good. Uh, I want to think about okay for your, yourself. You do a lot of consulting. You work with a lot of organizations since leaving Catalyst five or six years ago. You've founded Blink, which is Brad Lominick Incorporated. Awesome. And, real real uh, innovative. Yeah. Yeah, very innovative. But like everybody else, you haven't been able to get on airplanes very often in the last little while. And your work has changed. What do you think will be different in your life moving forward as you're pivoting your business model? We've talked about that a lot on the podcast this year, but it hasn't ended. I mean, we all thought we'd be back to normal by the fall of 2020, not there, not, we don't know what it is going ahead. And this could be an indefinite period. I was in meetings this morning where we were plotting out, you know, just plans for 2021. And I'm like, I think you got to do two plans. You got to do, this is how it's going to be. And then you got to be like, okay, maybe we can do in-person events again, but we really don't know. And um, what, what is going to be different for you moving forward? What are some things from the pandemic you're going to keep? And what are some things that you're like, oh man, I can't wait to get back? The, well, the, th- the, the thing that I think will, will be easy to keep is what we talked about at the very beginning, 
which is the the healthy rhythms. Mm. So, uh, you know, you you and I both have had several conversations the last several months, and just that sense of of almost the like we're able to breathe, and um, we 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 did we the the removal of do we have to keep up with like with the the busyness mm-hmm. um, was a was a healthy new established rhythm that I don't want that to go away. Um, you know, obviously with a lot of what I do um, with with organizations and helping them put on gatherings, a lot of that had to shift to digital. Um, I, you know, I don't. Again, I'm 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 very pro event. I'm very pro gathering. I think going forward, it's going to be a hybrid. So, you know, is the, is the event space going away? No. Um, is it going to be different? Yes. Um, you know, I, I think the, the idea that in the future, um, the home is going to be the epicenter of all things for life. Agreed. The home is the new hub. The home is the new hub, man. Quote that, tweet it. Put it, put it on, put it on your, um, in your notes app. You don't have to agree with it yet, but it's, that's a trend. Oh, and yeah. everybody who is, who is thinking about trends in all categories of the world, they understand that. I mean, we've talked about the last mile on your podcast before, you know, that everybody's fighting over the last mile to people's homes. Well, now it's a arms race to own the last mile to into people's homes. And, you know, how many people are not going back to an office? Mm -hmm. I mean, half of half of the workforce. I I think that's a fair estimate. And there's like what the employers want, because now you're starting to get to employers are calling people back and workers are going, we don't want to go back. Right. And so it it can move in multiple directions. And yeah, you think about five. uh, I've been writing on this, but five or six things that have moved home shopping was home, but it really moved home. Um, food moved home. Yep. Like people who were eating out 15 times a week, all of a sudden were eating at home 21 times Enter- a week. Entertainment. Entertainment moved home direct to your house, bypassing the theater. Um, fitness moved home because gyms were closed. And uh, school moved home. If we mentioned school, I don't know. And then there's church, maybe. Is church going to stay home? And so many church leaders are like, ah, oh, we don't like home. You just come back to our little facility and you know, we'll get as many of you in there. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I think you're fighting gravity on that one. Yeah. Here, but here's, and here's where to answer your question. I think the pivot for me, I've, I've already been doing this, but I'm going to lean in more 2021, 2022 to actually putting on more smaller curated gatherings that will be attractive to uh, the people I want to gather, but also will allow them to go, oh, thank you. Like I've, I'm, I haven't traveled in four months, man. I'm ready to go and let's get together in this location and let's let's have some fun together and let's connect. And I, I think people are going to be even hungrier for that. Uh, I don't think they'll necessarily be hungrier for let's do a big conference with thousands of people and let's all sit in a room and listen to the same talks that I can listen to for free, right? Online. Mm-hmm. Or one that I already heard for free, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, which is which is a real disappointment when you paid all that airfare. No, it's funny. You and I were talking about live events. You were helping our team think through some issues. 
And again, this was pre-COVID. It was in 2019. And one of the things I decided after thinking and praying about it for a while is, yeah, I don't want to be, and this is long before COVID, I don't want to be responsible for selling 1,000 tickets or 500 tickets or 5,000 tickets that my meetings, and we haven't done it yet, we will, when, when people are flying and there's a vaccine or whatever, are going to be a dozen people or less sitting around a big green egg, having a conversation over a couple of days. I could get yes. into that um, yes. all day long. And, and, and here's the thing, Carrie, like I know there's a leader or many leaders right now that are thinking, well, Carrie, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can do that because you've got, you know, you got influence and people want you to come speak and there's leaders who would love to be coached by you. Yes, it's, that's true. But it's true for them too. It's, it's true 100% for you, true for Mr. them. You, you can have the same, the same context of gather, gather 10 other friends who are at other churches in the region mm-hmm. for a dinner conversation. Talk about what you guys are learning. To, you know, like, again, that, it's not just for us. It's for all of us. And we can all do that. And that's what we want to be part of. We want to have a dinner conversation. We, we want to be at the table. We want to sit around and listen to people and learn from them. You know, that, that's the power of that. So it's equally as much your responsibility, all of the leaders who are watching and listening, as it is you. One of the ideas you came up with when COVID hit that I've been sharing evangelically with as many people as will listen is, you know, for those of you who are subscribers to the podcast, you know that we've got um, partners who've been very, very faithful in bringing you the show because obviously we have staff and, you know, show notes and transcripts and the whole deal. So there are some costs associated with this. And our partners have been great. But of course, when the world collapsed, it was like, what do we do? And you came up with the idea. You said, Carrie, you need to do a call every other week with our key partners and you just need to let them know what you're working on and then just take questions. And so I've done, I don't know, a dozen of those calls in the last six months. And I didn't think anybody would come because you're asking like <laughs> right. leaders to come. I didn't think anybody would come. I thought they would not be interested in what I had to say. And I thought we'd invite 30 people and get two and man, those have been great. We're going to continue them. I may continue them in normal conditions. Um, and I've been encouraging anybody who will listen to do the same. Can you talk about the idea behind that and the power of connecting people? Because again, that's a Zoom room with like 20 people in it, right? But yes. it, it has been powerful for me. And much to my surprise, uh, they have loved it. They've raved about it. Well, these are, these are leaders who they you know, they, they have an affinity for you. Like they, they see you as an expert and they're obviously partnering with, with you on what you're, what you're creating. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a natural built-in motivation there. But what happens so often is that what on, on the call, you, you will, you know, spend a few minutes talking about something you've seen or you you're learning. And then here's what you do, Carrie. This is, this is such an important lesson for all of us. Is you'll say now, what do you all think? And then, if if you don't hear any responses, you'll say, "Hey, so and so, what do you think?" Now, what's happening in that situation is you're honoring that person hmm. by saying you're an expert. You, I want to hear your thoughts, and the rest of the group wants to hear your thoughts, and we all are going to get better because this little circle of friends and influencers and leaders 
we're going to, we're going to make, we're going to raise the level, you know? So it's not about you, like just getting them together and, and, and doing my blurb for 40 minutes. They don't exactly. want to hear my blurb. No, it's, it's conversation. It's curation. It's you're, you're the, you're the connector. Like you are curious, you're pulling them in. And so again, here's an example. You're a local senior pastor in a, in a, in a, in a community of 10,000 people. And you're thinking, gosh, I'm disrupt. Everything's disrupted. Like, how do I, how do I lean into influence in my community? Well, how about you, um, get some of the council members from the city and the mayor and the local school superintendent and the chief of police and, um, you know, the football, the football coach of the high school and a few people who are in the business space and you bring them together for a conversation. Because I'm guessing right now they're probably not getting together anywhere. No, and nobody's convening that meeting, Brad. That's a brilliant idea. And everybody's thinking, again, I know, everybody's thinking, well, Brad, I don't, they won't even listen to me. Well, that's a whole other issue <laughs> of why they will listen to you. But let's assume they will. Like, let's assume that they, they will say, wow, I, uh, nobody's really gotten this group together. What are we doing? What are we talking about? You know, well, we're going to have a conversation about hope in our city. You know, and, and it's, it's not just for the, the Judd Wilhites of the world or the Craig Groeschels. Yeah. Because they're doing it, but yeah. it's for all of us, like the community of 10,000, you have way more influence pastor and leader than you think you do to be able to impact people and bring them together. And every single season or sphere of influence that we have, that's been given to us and we steward well is our responsibility. So quit thinking about like, how am I going to go on stage at that thing and start thinking about <laughs> like, l- let me, let me actually be a, a bridge builder in my, in my local city of 5,000 or 2,500 or th- that. And, and there's opportunity there. I promise you there's opportunity. It's a, it's a right market. It's a blue ocean is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I've been encouraging uh, pastors to do the same with key volunteers and key donors. Just put a little yes. zoom call together uh, do five minutes about here's what we know and here's what we don't know. Like, just be very transparent. I remember on one of the calls I did with our partners in the company on the podcast here, I just, it was a time where we had done the free course, how to lead through crisis, and nobody knew where the market was going. The stock market was still in in the tank and nobody knew what the economy would do. And I just said, here's our pivot plan for the next 30 days. And I just laid it out with them and I said, we don't know whether this is going to work. Like, we just really don't, but this is what we're going to try. And there was so much synergy in the call around, oh, you don't know either, but this is what you're going to try. Now, it turned out our pivot went really well, and then we made another one, and it went really well. But I was just sharing that with them in real time and saying, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, here's what we're going to try, what are you guys trying? And, you know, if you get some key volunteers and some of your your top donors, because you can't, even if you're regathering in person, some of your key people just aren't going to be around for a while, but it makes them feel connected. And so one of the leaders I gave that advice to actually took me up on my advice and put one of those calls together. It's an organization that we give to. And to be a participant in that call was awesome. It was just great. There's a sense of connection that comes from that. So that's one really hyper practical idea. And here's how complicated it is. You, call, you invite 12 to 20 people to a Zoom call, even if you can't gather safely. And yep. you don't talk a lot. You just share what you know and what you don't know, and you throw it open. 
and you cap it at 40 minutes, 45 minutes. That's it. I love it. I'll, I'll give you another practical thing yeah, too, let's just go. for, for many, many listeners are, are pastors and you're not gathering in person on a Sunday. Um, and I don't know what you're doing throughout the week, but I would say this, there are, we think back to what we just talked about. The home is becoming the epicenter for work, especially. Yeah. There's thousands of people in your city or your community that need a place to gather maybe once a week with their team um, that's virtual now or that might, you know, not be in an office. Open up your church. Like you have a building, you you have real estate, you have actually like meeting space that people would love to potentially use for gathering their team yeah. for a staff meeting. Um, it, it is a, it's, it's such a ripe opportunity right now for, for you to actually engage the community. Now, many of you may say, well, we're already doing tons of stuff throughout the week. Great. Keep doing that. But most of us, if we, if we're, if we're thinking about, well, what, what are we doing Monday through Friday right now? Well, nobody's really showing up. I mean, safely and appropriately open up your church because mm -hmm. there are tons and tons and tons and tons of business people who would love to have a place this has caused many people who are working from home to not have a place that they can gather five or six people and they don't want to go to Starbucks yeah. right now. So why not go to your church? Yeah. And I think there can be a temptation to just add another little editorial comment to think if you've got 30 or 40% of your old attendance back, that everybody's back. Trust me, they're not back. You have so many people that you haven't seen that you're not connecting with who are there. They're the people who show up in Google Analytics. They're the people who show up on your YouTube count. And if you think you're connecting with them, I promise you, you're not. And you almost cannot overconnect in this time of disconnection. Um, Brad, man, I can't believe how quickly time has gone. Oh, any other trends you're seeing? You're one of my favorite trend watchers and you always come up with stuff because of your curation habits that uh, a lot of other leaders don't see. What else do you think is going to be different or what might be the same when things stabilize? Yeah, well, the, the, I'll give you a few to think about. Um, hopefully these will be helpful. I mean, the, the, the micro-influencer mm. is way more... Um, valued right now than the macro influencer. And, and this is, this is, if you think about the marketing world and even going back to fire festival, you know, like <laughs> yeah, that was a total, that <laughs> we all saw that, uh, on Netflix. Um, but a lot of brands have shifted to, to, um, seeing the micro influencer as, as the real, as the real carrier of influence mm -hmm. and, and power and the ability to sort of third party endorse things. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting trend. Um, the micro school is also another one. Yeah. Now this is, this is because of COVID. Um, right. You're, you're but those idea of pods of and like parents who are gathering together to do collective homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Think, think 20 parents in a neighborhood or in a, in a community and now they're going to go hire their own teacher. Right. Yeah. That, that is, I mean, it may be a fad, but I think it, it's moving in the same direction as power the the epicenter is the home yeah. and we're removing the industry wh whatever that looks like the you know the 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 big bureaucracy and we're taking back sort of the power for us to actually curate and develop and build what we want to actually build mm -hmm. what does levi call it he calls it their their uh watch parties 
home circles or yeah, watch yeah. parties. Sorry, thank you. Yeah, I mean that 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 just seems to be where some of the energy is is headed. Um, obviously, obviously in the real estate world, mergers, um, acquisitions, the all of that's going to happen in a rapid pace, right? Because of everybody like wanting to get rid of their office space. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of real estate available. And I still will go back to the trend of, um, you know, there, I, I saw that is, uh, is, is the recent research from, from Barna that one out of five churches may not make it. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that 20%. Fair? I haven't checked in the last few weeks, but yeah, it's around 20% thinking they may not make it. Which is devastating. Um, at the same, and with that, the, the question of what happens to that property, what happens to the right, real estate? Yeah. Like, so can we create a merger and acquisition mindset that says you're, 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 you're struggling. Um, what if we take your real estate and we combine it with, with this church planters, incredible sense of momentum and, and vision and energy and mm. lots of people that are aggregating around it. And we put those together. What happens then? You know, so I think that's going to happen more and more. I mean, Warren Bird's been he's been writing about this for a while. Yeah, and by um, the time this airs, they will have had an episode out on this show several weeks ago. So you can go back and see that where we talk about just that. Yep. The, the, those, those are great few, trends. Those are a few. I mean, I, I would still go back to this one, Carrie, and I, I think I just want to continue to harp on this. Like, as a as a local leader in your community right now. The question you might need to be wrestling with, or at least um, um, have at the at the sort of the forefront of your thinking, especially with local officials and people who who are in charge, is one: how can I serve you, mm. and how can we partner to actually uh, you know make an impact here locally in our in our city or in our community, in our neighborhood, and you know don't get so wrapped up with all the stuff that feels like it's, it's depressing at a national right. international level. And it is, I mean, we, it is depressing. Yeah. It I is have depressing. to turn off the news sometimes, but there, there's so much opportunity. I think if, if I'm, if I'm viewing the landscape and saying, where, where should I invest time, energy resources? It's local, local, mm. local, 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 like get involved locally, like make a difference locally partner with your local officials, um, figure out ways to partner with your schools, you know, like don't get so distracted by all the other stuff that is sideways energy. And you have the ability again to make a difference like in your city because you're an influencer. Mm -hmm. You you may not be able to have an opportunity to have hundreds of thousands of people listen to your podcast, but you can make a difference in your city. So yeah, nobody should be able to out local the local church, right? There you go, man, tweet that. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, I think leaders who may not have known you before, and there would be a handful of them, know why I love Brad Lominick so much now. And uh, congrats on the new podcast, H3 Leadership. You can get it on all the channels. And uh, anything else you want to say about the podcast? But you will be giving this in, in little bite-sized pieces as opposed to an hour and 19 minutes of conversation. Yes. I would I would say a lot of the things you and I have been... Uh, bantering about for the last hour will be, will be what you can expect. Yeah. Um, uh, and as, as well, there will be tangible links and resources and 
and things to recommend that you can uh, you can go purchase or download or look up on Google that day and hopefully will help you. Yeah, you're doing show notes, aren't you, for the podcast? Oh, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. Like, so it's not I'm, just you have to be driving along trying to like take notes and getting tickets or going to jail. It's like there'll be show notes and all that will be uh, along with the podcast. Yes, you 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 will probably find uh, the show notes to be the the fast forwarded version and the uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the 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 if you're if you're looking for a quick version to go find those same things. But but at the same time, I want you to be a part of the conversation because hopefully there'll yeah. be some value in that as well. Well, Aaron Ward, who uh, runs our little podcast here, this one uh, is also in charge of the Thrivicity Network. So uh, right now we have two podcasts on the Thrivicity Network. So that'll grow over the next few years. But woo here we go. That makes it a network when you got two, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Big big time, man. Big time. Anyway, uh, Brad, it's been a joy. Hey, where can they find you? What website online for your podcast and for all things Brad Lominick? Yeah. Well, all things for me, it's just my first and last name, uh, Brad Lominick on all the outlets. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have a website by that same name, but h3leadership.com. Ah, like is where they'll find you. the podcast and that, the show that'll notes. That'll get you to the podcast and show notes. So just go there. That's easy, h3leadership.com. Uh, thanks, Carrie, for... Again, all you have done, you you are in the ears of hundreds of thousands of leaders. And same with me. I mean, I listen to the show. Now I'm I'm you know, I'm part of the team and I'm helping yeah. you on some stuff. But I listen to the show every week. Man. And you are bringing such like perspective and insight, the way you ask questions, the um, the things I get out of it. I have to stop. You you frustrate me because I have to stop a lot on my run and actually like write down stuff on my, well, on we my have notes show notes, you know, Brad, I don't know whether you know that or not, but we do show notes and transcripts as well. So there's something about when I can actually capture it though, I know it feels mean. more important when I actually write it in my notes app. Yeah. Uh, but you, you just, you disrupted my, my run many times because I'm stopping to, to not only write things down, but I'm stopping to, sometimes I'm stopping to pray hmm. or to like just have to think about it because it's, challenging me or you know you've 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 hit a nerve or so anyway thank you for what well, you i appreciate do. it do you have this with podcasts I, I, I put it out to listeners too you can leave a comment in the show notes or youtube or wherever you happen to be catching this but uh there are times where i find because a lot of us listen to shows while we are doing something else cycling or whatever but i'll be mowing the lawn and i'll come around the corner of the house and i'll remember when tim ferris said or craig rochelle said or andy stanley said and i'm like oh, that's where i heard that idea it's very geo specific do you have that too absolutely there there is yes that there's something about like the the journey of listening and learning yeah. that you mark i think i think our unconscious minds we mark that moment mm-hmm. and we can remember it i mean i can remember um, you know, running a few years ago in Atlanta and there was, I was listening. I don't remember what, what I was listening to, but it was a podcast. And there was this thought that I think like the Holy spirit just sort of downloaded to me and I actually wrote a song. Like I stopped and, and sat down for 30 minutes and I'm not a songwriter, but I wrote this song that still hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, (laughs) But that's a moment. Like that was a moment. And I know exactly like where I was, um, it's powerful. Like the, the, yeah. the, those, they're like mile markers on the, on the interstate. 
Yeah, I've had a few of those as well. And that's really interesting. So I love this, well, new form. It's been around for a decade and a half, but it's finally going mainstream and really glad that uh, you're adding your voice to it. So I will be a listener, a subscriber, h3leadership.com. Brad, what a joy as always. Uh, won't be your last time. So thanks so much for being with us and building in so many leaders, adding so much value to my life and the lives of so many other people. I think uh, a lot of you who don't know Brad well have no idea how much this guy does in the background to make so much run, including our little company. So thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me on, Kerry. Always honored to be a part. So I am subscribing to Brad's new podcast. He has been hugely influential in my life and my thinking, a good friend and also a good colleague. But we got a special offer for you. If you head on over to h3leadership.com and enter your email to subscribe to receive the latest episode in your inbox, Brad is going to choose two winners to receive a 45-minute coaching call. The winners will be announced on his new podcast, H3 Leadership with Brad Lominick. So head on over. 45 minutes with Lominick is like, uh, I don't know, four hours with other leaders. He's just so rich and so focused on you. I just love Brad. So go to h3leadership.com. That's a special offer for listeners of this podcast. He's going to pick two of you and he will coach you. So I think that's pretty cool. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, that is going to become quickly one of my go-to podcasts now that it is live. So next episode, we're talking with Lecrae. Lecrae was topping the Billboard charts. He's winning Grammys, top of his career. Things are coming undone internally. So we sit down, have a conversation. We met in a green room about a year ago, and uh, that's where he and I sort of compared burnout stories. And I'll tell you, it was a fascinating conversation. So we're bringing that to you next week. Here's an excerpt. You know, my friends, I, I felt like the air started changing around me and different conversations were happening. And it was like my friends couldn't. It's like, hey, man, I, I got to go talk to this person about this deal. And they're like, deal? What do you mean deal? Like, aren't we playing basketball? And I'm like, I can't. Man, I got to talk to, you know, Dr. Dre and Pharrell are on the phone. And it's like, what? There's all, you know, these massive things. And my friends are just like, this is. I don't understand. Why are people screaming your name? What mm. What is going on here? Because you've been um, Lecrae to them for years, right? It, exactly. Exactly. So so it was a mixture of me trying to walk in these new shoes and them trying to figure out what these shoes were and just trying to, you know, it's a lot to just process. No, subscribers, you get that uh, absolutely free. That's a powerful conversation. Andy Stanley is coming on for a couple of appearances in the next few months. We've got Scott Beck and Pat Gelsinger who was the first, well, he's actually the CEO of VMware and the first CTO of Intel Computers. Who else do we have? John Gordon, Todd Wilson, Tom Rayner, Lisa Turkers just did that interview. It was so good. Uh, Beth Moore, Bob Westfall, um, Patrick Lencioni has just decided to come back on to talk about something he's really excited about. And so much more subscribers you get that all for free thank you so much for sharing uh thank you so much for supporting the people who make this possible uh it's time for what i'm thinking about i want to talk to you about the future of online church and how i think buildings are going to change in the future this segment is brought to you by ServeHQ. check out their online subscription tools for churches at servehq.church to get a free no obligation 14-day trial account and uh, how about having a completely remote team to run your live stream services? Go to livecontrol.io forward slash carry. Sign up for a free demo today. And remember, they have a, uh, a special on right now. So anyway, uh, I wrote a post uh, recently on my website called The Church Has Left the Building. I've been thinking a lot in these six, seven months since COVID about um, what's going to happen to our buildings in the future, about 
55% of churches are back in their buildings. Uh, attendance is abysmally low. And I'm running into more and more Christians. And I just think attendance is not going to be what it used to be. In fact, I haven't had a single guest I've interviewed this year on the podcast who thinks we're going to surge past where we were pre-COVID in terms of in-person attendance levels, which is pretty devastating, right, for pastors. This is how we've done church for a long time. I want to give you an alternative position and tell you about an opportunity to really drill down on this. So uh, I think most Christians who are not returning to church are actually not leaving Christianity. Yes, some people are deconverting. That happens all the time. But they're not leaving Christianity. They're not even leaving your church. They're just not coming back to the building. And that is a paradigm shift. Your church is still around. The church is still around. It's just kind of left the building. Now, this is not just a COVID thing like, oh, yeah, when we get a vaccine and blah, 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 it's all going to be better. No, if you look at historic attendance patterns, they've been dropping for every demographic for two decades. Boomers, elders, Gen X, millennials, all attending church less often. Crisis is an accelerator. I think this has been an acceleration. And even before COVID, 57% of church-going Americans said, we're kind of getting bored with the way church is. Yeah, I know. You don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that, but it's true. I think today, and this is a change of opinion for me, infrequent church attendance in this culture is not necessarily a sign of decreasing devotion. It's a sign of a shifting culture. Everything is moved online. Everything is moved home. The question is, will your church actually do that? And just because someone isn't attending your service in person doesn't mean they're not part of your church. So what do you do? Number one, I would ramp up digital engagement. Um, just because someone is in the building doesn't mean they're not engaging. So how can you engage the people online? Uh, after all, it, the church was never about attendance. For two centuries, nobody attended a church building because there were no church buildings. People are like, well, what about gathering together? People always, they gathered in homes and that's what they're doing now, right? So early Christians didn't attend church. They were the church in their homes, in the community, in the world. And I think that's the future. And Jesus didn't say, attend me. He said, follow me. So couple of thoughts. What does this mean for you if you're a church leader? And, and this has application for business as well as you think about, you know, the location from a facility to home being the new hub. First of all, I think churches that equip Christians will quickly eclipse churches that gather them. The goal for the last century or two has been to gather people in a building. And um, I think there's going to be a pivot and it's going to be huge. And those of you who get in on it early are going to benefit. Right now, most pastors are using church online to get people into the building. In the future, most pastors will use the building to reach people online. Let me say that again, okay? Because this is like, this is a head spin, okay? But I, I really think this is the case. Most pastors are using church online to get people in the building right now. In the future, most pastors will use the building to reach people online. Yes, you need a hub. Yes, you need a campus. Yes, you need a broadcast location. But what if instead of saying, come here, come here, come here, come here, come join us for the service, you'll always have people in service, but you need to know most of the people you're trying to reach are online. So it becomes like a studio, right? Like I'm, I'm broadcasting this from my basement. I have a very nice office in my basement. We renovated it about five years ago, but like, you know, I'm using this building to equip you and we'll be equipping a lot of you this month, okay? And I think that's what's gonna happen with the church is that you're just gonna equip people where they are. So rather than using church online to get people into your building in the future, most pastors use the building to reach people online. Now, if you think, well, that sounds kind of limiting and depressing. Look, I'm alone in my basement. In August, we reached over 400,000 people with this podcast. 
In September, I'm recording this a little bit in advance, it'll probably be a similar number. Okay, so if you're like, well, I want 200 people in the building, what if you could reach 4,000 by using your building to reach people online? You see that? In the future, churches that equip Christians wherever they are will eclipse the churches that gather them. And that means your online attendance will outpace your in-person attendance. See, I just think this is true. Everyone in your church is online. Everyone you want to reach is online, and there's so much to gain. But here is your problem. Your problem is that you're like, I don't know how to engage people online. Well, I can help with that. We have a brand new uh, live event that we are putting on October 8th called the Online Church Engagement Summit. It's absolutely free. And I sit down, it's only 90 minutes. It's not one of those 400 speakers over four days things. No, it's 90 minutes, four people. Me, Bobby Grinwald, who literally invented church online and version. If you ever use version to read your Bible, Bobby created it. We're gonna talk about online engagement. He has gamified Bible reading and they have hundreds of millions of downloads. We're gonna explore his brain. We're gonna to talk to Nona Jones on Facebook. She's in charge of faith-based partnerships at Facebook. And we're gonna talk about, she wrote a great book called From Social Media to Social Ministry, how to do that online. And I've got Levi Lusco. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have Levi, uh, number one, he's sort of younger, next gen. Secondly, he leads a large church in an unlikely area, Montana. Okay, so if you're like a rural church or like my people aren't on the internet, Levi's gonna talk about the future of church, what gathering looks like, how to leverage online. And then I'm gonna do some teaching too for you and your team. It's 100% free. And what you need to do is head on over to onlinechurchengagement.com. Just go to onlinechurchengagement.com and you will be able to register you and your team for free. There are two uh, webinars on October 8th, one in the afternoon, Eastern time, one in the evening. So if you head on over there, uh, we would love to see you there. Just go to onlinechurchengagement.com, register for free while you still can. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, we are coming back with a fresh episode and that will be, uh, well, next time with Lecrae. Really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening and uh, see you at the summit too. Head on over to onlinechurchengagement.com before it's too late. And yeah, I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.